Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Lock In Podcast. We're just a couple of weeks from the start of the industry reopening. Well, those lucky enough to have access to outdoor space anyway. So this episode is going to be focused on the challenges facing the sector with regard to reopening. With me as ever are my two trusty co-hosts, Heath Ball and James Cuthbertson. Clearly the reopening of the sector is a crucial moment and one that is vital that we get right. As such, we sought to provide two leading experts on all matters operational. We wanted the guys who would provide cutting-edge insight, the kind of bleeding-edge knowledge that would ensure you open with a bang. Operators that are leading the field when it comes to excellence, who can cut through the waffle and ensure your business is in pole position when you're allowed back to trade. Unfortunately, they weren't available, so we'll have to make do with Heath and James. Ha, ha, ha. Honestly... Just it just it's just like it's like Groundhog Day, isn't it? Every time we do this, it starts with something like that, it's just to try and underline the credentials we haven't got. Yeah, but I James, think. James, we don't fall in love at the end. We don't sing romantic poets poetry to the, the you know the the female lead. We end up with it every I mean, week over uh, and over again. That might make a better ending if you like. Make a sexless ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast using the links on the homepage, share on social, and drop us your comments. This episode is all about getting back open, and we've got a couple of fantastic guests later on, including Business Minister Paul Scully, who will be talking about the government's plans for reopening, and marketing superstar Mark McCulloch who will be giving his top tips on communicating with customers. So, as we're talking about reopening, we have to discuss the topic that's been in the headlines this week, that is vaccine passports. <coughs> Boris has said it might be up to individual publicans, which just suggests that we're heading for another mess, really, a bit like him telling people to avoid the pubs, uh, but not actually shutting them down. I mean, mm. what, what do you think, guys? What's, what's well, your reaction it, to this? It, it, it's typical, because it's the same sort of unclear direction. Let's go back... And we're supposed to be following the science, aren't we? And these key markers. And when he says things like might, mm. all that does is it's because he's not sure in his mind, he's not thought it through, or they, the team haven't thought it through. Rather than saying, we'll come back to you on how we think about that and given a definitive answer, they've sent all these hairs running um, with the public not sure whether they can come in without one, licensees not sure whether they'll need to, you know, be ready to check them. But all he said is might. So if you look at it... or he basically said it's down to the public and all the licensee. Well, OK, fine, we don't need them. <laughs> End of story, job done. Um, or, or, you, or if you do feel passionate about it, you're probably in a situation, if you're that worried, that you don't want to open your business yet anyway. So I think it's something and nothing. The problem is, is that lack of clarity that creates a storm that LBC and all the media then get hyped up about. And it's, 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 it's a distraction. It, it's, it's the concern of where it goes, because let's face it, this government has the attention span of a gnat, mm. generally. So what is said in, in, in a off-the-cuff remark one minute can easily become policy the next. But again, yeah. it's, it's the concern <clears throat> is that it's, it's going to be up to the publicans, so mm. it's going to be up to us to police. That's and such a lazy response, bring, isn't it? Well, it is, but I mean, even if they bring it in, again, it's going to be down to you guys. A bit like with the track and trace. Mm. You had to do the work. You had to sort of get the, the, uh, the systems in place to make it work mm. because the government couldn't, despite spending £37 but, well, million pounds on it. There's two things here. Every time he does one of these things, it's a bit like being in the mastermind chair, but they've given you the different set of questions to the ones you studied for because the reaction is always just a delaying tactic and a kind of uh, wooliness. But... If you think about it, back to the old thing, it, if you look at how the publicans, licensees, whatever, have been from day one, which is, in the main, 
really care, you know, taking on the track, the track and track, government track and trace clearly isn't worth shit. <clears throat> but ours was in, in venue. It was brilliant, you know, and it was typically, it would not just show the day, but the time and the place they were sitting for how long. We were taking temperatures, things like that, far more than, well, nothing from yeah. supermarkets other than people wiping trolleys down, frankly. Yeah. Um, so I think that, I think the amount of effort that the licensees have put in from day one is massively underestimated. And hand in hand with no evidence for really treating us any differently to the, the you know, both the um, uh, non-essential and the essential stops, then it just shows that, again, we're back in the firing line. But this is just really clumsy from Boris, and I, I do think it's a distraction. The big picture is getting open for the 12th, the 17th or the 21st, depending on how your, you know, your business is looking. Um, this is just a distraction. I think it's nonsense. What about you, Heath? You're being very quiet, which is unlike you. I haven't heard any swearing yet either. So, uh... I'm just listening. I, I think there's also, we're not looking at it from the customer point of view, because, you know, customers are, they would have heard snippets of this, and they would be hearing, some would hear that venues are doing vaccine passports. Others would say, oh, it's up to the public in, but there's a mixed message. So what you can end up with is, you know, with some customers who are going to expect that your venue is checking COVID passports to come in, so they feel safe. And if you're not, they're going to ask why. You're going to have some who don't want their civil liberties violated by this. You got, you know, society's already divided on lockdown. People are loving lockdown, some people. Some people are hating it. But you've got, it's so divided. And then we're going to end up with these people going, then you'll have some venues go, yeah, we're taking, we're doing um, COVID passports. And then that will become the benchmark. And then everybody else who's not doing it, in some people's eyes, will be will not be, you know, up to the standard. So it's yeah. it's a horrible what Boris has done. It can, <clears throat> so, I mean, you're, you're worried. Just, you're worried it's going to be an arms race now. Oh, we're losing Heath there on the, uh, on the signal, yeah, unfortunately. exactly. And then, look. But then, look at, look at Qantas Airways in Australia. They've said you can't fly on Qantas without a vaccine passport. You can't go to Greece. You can't go to, you know, like all these countries now are coming forward and saying you need to have a vaccine. Mm. We're getting forced into this, you know. Gone are the days where you had a choice. If you want to go to Cambodia, you need yellow fever jab. Well, I don't want to have a yellow fever jab. Don't go to Cambodia. We've got no choice anymore. Mm. Now, I'm, I'm a big believer in the vaccine. We need the vaccine to get the economy going. But at the same time, I'm a big believer in choice. And we're, we're losing our freedom here. And it's just getting brushed under the carpet with all the time for this government. It's also opening up a, almost a discriminatory kind of thing, isn't it? And I don't know other people have been talking about this because you know some people can't have the vaccine, so pregnant women. So you know, if your wife's pregnant, you can no longer go to the pub with her. Because, or you go on your own. Or you go, which, I mean, I, I know who I'm talking to here. So I mean, this is probably a bonus. But could I just advise guys? Don't knock the wife up just so you can go to the pub. <laughs> That's irresponsible behaviour. I'd have to get close enough first. <laughs> I mean, but it does create... He's creating a two-tier system. By the way, knock the wife up. Do yeah. people say that? I, I, mean, I don't know. Where's the, where's the love and... Where's the romance in that? I'm talking to you. Well, you the, the word yeah, romance and love is... Uh, Get sorry. back on track. Yeah, sorry. Wasn't there the thing in Israel where the big problem in Israel was most of the customers have been vaccinated, but the actual staff that were working <clears> in the venues <throat> weren't vaccinated? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's, you know, like school teachers, they should be vaccinated. Hospitality staff should be vaccinated. Mm. But, you know, mm. if they want to be, but then you've got the thing. What if you've got staff who don't want to be vaccinated? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And this, this is the problem. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very much the uh, the pro-vaccine and, you know, all these anti-vaxxers and things like that. It, I mean, it, it, it makes me nervous that these people actually exist. But... And I get with this one, there's a little bit of, of uh, concern because it's been developed so suddenly, so people are, but it, it is being whipped up by the idiots as well. 
Um, but that, so there will be people who legitimately it's, haven't it's, taken it. It's been whipped up. Yeah, it's been whipped up so suddenly with billions and billions and billions and some of the greatest minds on the planet exactly. rushing to find a cure. Mm. This is, you know, Independence Day when they're trying to save us from the aliens. This is how they've gone for it. They've gone hard. They're trying to break the code. They've got it. Let's get vaccinated. Do you know what I mean? We can't, like, well, you know. There's fairly, there's fairly strong evidence that the Chinese are involved in this and that the um, Russians are involved in this in terms of tampering with what we're seeing online, the same way they've meddled with elections. We are seeing streams of data coming in. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to unsettle our country. Well, it's done that, right? Yeah. And look at the argument we're having with Europe now. Yeah, yeah. It's done that. To be so fair, we I think didn't we've do ourselves any favours with Brexit, though, which... Uh, did you no. vote on that, James? I'm, I'm, I'm strong. I think we're moving... I think we're on this episode now. <laughs> <laughs> even, I, James, even I voted... <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Even I voted yeah, only, only because you had to put an X. Only because they'd ask for no more than X. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, I mean, the, the, the other thing, I think, the, the one thing that concerns me most about this is, that, again, it, it's that government thing. They fly a kite to see the reaction. Mm. Um, and you know that this is now coming down the line. So do you worry, and are you worried, that come June the 21st, this is going to end up being a requirement for those restrictions being lifted. So if you're adopting a policy as an operator that you are only allowing those who've been vaccinated in and checking passports, you can operate without restrictions. Anyone who doesn't, you're going to be under restrictions. Yeah, I think you're asking the impossible to second-guess the government. Hmm. I do genuinely. I think we can, ifs and buts, you can make up. There's been stuff in your wildest dreams you want to think come true and they'll do it. So I think it's really... Yeah, but how, but James, how, how far do we go, though? You know what I mean? This, I know I don't want to, like... But this this just suddenly seems like you know you need we're basically giving them an identity card yeah, yeah. which got thrown out years ago. We're basically this is going to be this is another thing, isn't it? Mm. It'll have your thing on there, all your details. Mm. How are we keeping record of that? Are we are we scanning it? You know, we we know from the government's track and trace system how many billion that didn't work. So how are we actually managing this and how are we actually protecting the data that we're collecting? It's it's a slippery slope. We suddenly, I don't know, we're losing. It just suddenly, we, I think we're accepting what's been done to us. Most people are because they're all hooked up on the, you know, they're hooked up on the uh, furlough drip. It's dripping them nicely. You know, they're all oh, life's wonderful. They're all high as a kite. They sit at home, watch TV on, all day. On casual drugs. What's that? <laughs> on casual drugs. Yep. Yeah, but we need to, we need to get them off the furlough. We need to get the economy <laughs> back going, and we need the government to stop dictating our daily lives. Absolutely. Uh, heat for PM again, isn't it? Uh, it's becoming a, mm-hmm. a regular call on this. So, anyway, there's lots to talk about with reopening, so let's uh, let's move on. You're listening to the Lock In podcast, and we are looking at the challenges that are going to be facing the sector upon reopening. So let's have a look at some of the, of the practicalities. Um, I mean, what, what are the key things that you guys are, are sort of looking at in the uh, in the run up to reopening? I'm looking at that police car not being. I was going to say, I'm hoping it's not coming <laughs> for us, but uh, um, I think we're looking at equip. We, you know, we've been open on two of the four sites anyway, so you've been keeping the equipment turning over, but. I think there's, there's a real danger if you leave it too late to sort of dry run your place, you're going to end up with stuff that doesn't work, you know, lines that don't work, compressors mm. don't work, fridges that don't work, you know, that sort of thing. And there's going to be a rush for those services as well. Yeah. They may not be up to speed yet. So I think as soon as you get those calls booked in 
or identifying any problems, the better. I mean, Heath, what's what's top of your mind uh, when when you start thinking about opening back up? Just, yeah, so I suppose you know staff and equipment. I think it's it's going to take everybody a bit of time to get into the groove of opening. You know, staff have sat around watching Netflix for for a year. Um, I'm just worried about you know mental health of i.e. the staff getting back into work and the customers. You know what I mean? Dealing with them and their expectations. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a bumpy ride. Definitely. I mean, what, let's let's look at staff then because um, I mean that's that's going to be key, isn't it? We we've uh, we are only as good as, as as the guys that we employ to represent us in the uh, uh, front of house and back of house. Um, how they've been out of work pretty much best part of a year. Um, there's a there was a survey recently that um, apparently 47 percent of managers feel their staff are at risk of burnout when they come back. I mean, is that a concern, Heath? <laughs> wait, wait, burnout from watching Netflix. I think. Like, I'm... what really burnout? they be like, who, who does the base? And if anybody says they're worried about burnout, I'd be the first member of staff that comes back from being on furlough and tells me they're tired. God help them. The second member of staff who comes to me and says, I need a holiday, God help them. I, you know, I've been fighting to keep all the other jobs. And if they come back and they say they're burnt out, they don't know what burnt out is. My middle name is burnt out. Hey, and I'm still a bit work. I can't. These, these kids today, man, honestly, I know it's like an old man, but they need a man up a bit. Like, get them with the game. You've been, we're fighting for their jobs, fighting. Now, I don't. What about all the operators who got rid of all this stuff, right? That's a different killer fish. But we've been fighting day in and day out, James and myself, to keep people on furlough, employed, and looked after. And if they come back and they tell me they're burnt out, like, honestly, I, I think I'll sit down and cry and rock back and forth. And, it's been a brutal year, and, you know? And, 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 that, and that's why um, Heath is head of our HR department, because he will put an arm around them and uh, he will look after their mental health. I mean, in, in, in all seriousness, and uh, I, I suspect this will provoke more ranting from Heath, but, I mean, generally speaking, you know, if, if you've got a prize-winning racehorse and you stick it in a field for a year and then you take it out and you put it at the starting line and go, off you go, Dobby, win the race, it's not going to happen, is it? So you can't just expect... It's, 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 you've got to allow people to readjust, haven't they? Um, so yeah, and that, you're also, that burnout what you're gonna, is a, isn't it? What you're gonna, what you're gonna forget, what you're gonna forget is our customers will not give us a chance for that. If you say you just gotta give us a bit of time, we're just getting back into the groove. I don't care. I want that now. I've been had a horrible year. I've had a horrible year. I want my time. I'm being selfish. Give me what I want now. I don't want excuses. I want a good time. And that's what we're going to be dealing with. I think people are going to be horrible coming back. They're going to be drunk. They're going to know how to behave themselves. And then you've got staff who, like you said, have been out past you for last year, coming back into the groove. What are they? How are they going to be dealing? And then you've got them. They're all. They're going to be temperamental. They're going to be a bit emotional. It's going to be. You're going to end up not only having to deal with they're operating, but you're going to have to be a guidance counselor and a therapist for everybody and try and keep everybody on a nibble par. It's going to be. It's not going to be uh, fun. I mean, do you ever think know? that Heath gets the customers he deserves? So it's just like a karma. Thing. Maybe he's in hell, and this is just this reoccurring dream <laughs> that's been set for him. I think there's going to be a bit of a Christmas party feel about it when people get back. And whereas we're being quite conservative, you know, that, and it's interesting to see that the government grants 
that are due on the 1st of April aren't actually going to come through until after we refire the business, which would have been really helpful to get them in before so you get things like stock in. Mm. Um, but people will come up with high expectations. But I can see that, you know, licensees there are looking. We've got six real L pumps here and 10 keg. But, you know, we may not put all six on because you've only got a quarter of your capacity. Yeah. Um, and you want to serve great fresh beer. So whether there'll be tolerance for that or not, I'm right with, right, right with Heath in it. I think there'll be, oh, I want this, I want that. And, and I, I do think that everyone's gone a bit mad this year. Mm. Everyone's fuses, whether they like it or not. And you hear people saying, oh, it's been so lovely to be at home. Well, okay. But your head's still a bit messed up. Everyone has been affected by this. And I don't think it will take long to, to fire them up and get them going. So whilst there are some people that are generally going to be really pleased, I think there'll be a lot that will be busting on chops. And don't forget, we talk about the staff so much. What about the managers? What about the owners who have been dealing with this day in, day out, 24-7? Just get my tiny violin out for you. Well, you know, but that really have to pay the bills as well. Yeah. So I think, I don't mean that, you know, because the you know, first person that comes in with a holiday form, like he says, you know, you're going to be like, Jesus Christ, you know, please stop. Um, but it's but it's true. I think there's, you know... It's, yeah, it's but I mean, we, we, we focus on stuff. But I mean, yeah, your 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 well-being and everything else is, is equally as important. But it is your business, and and the risks and the rewards are, are greater uh, in, in the same principle, aren't they? Because it's been a big... But it's been, you know, but, yeah, but it's also been a year of risk, and it's tiring. Yeah, yeah. without much reward, yeah. Mm. No. Come on, Ed. Like seriously, yeah. Like we've we've been we've been like everybody who probably listens to this podcast. We've been kicked in the teeth and left in the gutter by the government. Do you know what I mean? Like, and we're we're all going to be broken, and we've got to put this when we open up. Of like, oh, it's so lovely to see you. I'm welcome. Yeah, everything's lovely. We're, oh yeah, it's been not too bad. We've been all right, you know. And you've got to sit there and fake it, and then you're going to have staff busting your balls about time off and holidays. You got like seriously, like it's like. Give us a break. I mean, like, you know, so, are we going to get time off this year? I doubt it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you've had a year off. What are you complaining about? <laughs> James. <laughs> James, do me a favour. Yeah, I got it. Don't just worry. Just punch it in the head. <laughs> yeah, but people think that. People think we've just been hanging out. We've got some money from the government. Uh, hospitality. Yeah, the, People don't really know. They go, oh, yeah, you'll be all right, won't you? You're like, yeah, you'll be all right. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Like, we've been kicked in the teeth. It's just like, it's, I don't know, you know. I think people are going to have a wake-up call when they start going back to hospitality, and there's not as many places as there were. And their favourite pub's gone, maybe. And, oh, God, I was a regular there. I didn't realise they were in trouble. Oh, I don't, you know. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's going to be, I'm not looking to it. He cut out there as well, but uh, never mind. Uh, I mean, uh, I said, I'm not looking forward to it. We got that. We got that. Um, equipment, then. I mean, James, you touched on this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what should people be thinking about? Uh, what, 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 what kind of equipment? It's the boring the, stuff, uh, like your glass washers, isn't it? And your freezers, your ice machines, and, and, and yeah, that yeah. stuff. That's the, that's the stuff that lime scale build up inside the machines. Yeah. 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 You know, your plate washers and stuff. That's what I'd be thinking about. But also, you've got to think about the the you know, re-establishing with your uh, with your suppliers again, seeing what terms you're on, whether you cash up front. I mean, there may be some opportunities to, if if you have had, you know, if you are in decent shape, to do a couple of deals by by helping your suppliers out by actually buying cash up front um, mm. and to try and get a bit of a deal for that because they'll want it. I think you've also got to watch for 
some of the breweries that have been, you know, bless them, working their watches off trying to get through, but y- you may find some beer with short dates kicking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the conversations I'd have, just as well as, well as pricing, is, is length of dates on those beers. Yeah. I mean, and, and dare I say it, because it could lock us down again, yeah. you know, manage that, um, manage that stock. We've just seen the last few weeks, you know, so many breweries phoning up. But again, we don't really get caught with massive amounts of stock. And I dare say they'd be more keen than ever to get it to you. But yeah, just have a watchful eye on, on um, best before dates. Uh, and also make sure that your internet is working so we can hear Heath. Yeah. Which is uh, sometimes useful. Um, well, I mean, you touched on products and supplies there. I mean, uh, what, what about that? You know, how, any advice to operators in terms of uh, stocking up? I mean, we, we've touched on sort of maybe limiting your lines a little bit. Yeah, I, I also think you've got to be really respectful of your suppliers because in some cases they'd have had less help than us, particularly those that are wedded to our trade. Mm. And um, and you know and uh, just have honest conversations <laughs> with them. You know if you've got if you've got debt that's from pre lockdown, have the chat. You know yeah. how are we going to get out of this? Uh, rather than just either trying to get away with it or you know you blag it or, or go to someone else. Mm. Um, you know an alternative supplier. I think just just try and help everyone out. It only works if we all work together. I mean, you're also going to are you going to be thinking much more hand to mouth as well because you you mentioned it just then. You know you don't know. <laughs> Whether you're going to have another potentially a lockdown, so do you? You don't want to sort of you know fill the shelves to no. find that that <clears throat> it's been taken away from you. Again. Even if we look at, in some ways, I kick myself because we got caught with a lot of stock here on the first, you know a year ago with the first lockdown, but we could see it coming. So I think now it has changed you. I think it will change people's attitudes to well, sorry, slow moving stuff. I don't think we believed it was really going <coughs> to happen, did well, we? Well, we didn't because otherwise we'd have you know made a fortune, frankly. <laughs> You know, getting you know what I mean? Because I don't know, we we didn't see it coming. No, but I think now, the way it's carried on, it's been a soap opera for a year. That you now think maybe it's maybe it's readjusted all think anything could happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you'll be mindful about dead stock and holding stock. Yeah. Also, from I mean, you've got to be honest, we've just gone through. There's so many of our minerals that are out of date that we're going to have to get rid of, and you know, heartbreaking as it is, but you've got to start again. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Heath? Any I've thoughts? got um. I, I, I've got. If anybody needs 150 liters of mold, um, I've got that sitting in my cellar. Mold um, wine, yeah. <laughs> mold wine, yeah. Back you, mean, box. you haven't actually drunk Be it yourself. Basic though. summer cocktail. No, I haven't drunk it. <laughs> and on that note, let's move on. Listening to the Lock In podcast with Heath Ball, James Cuthbertson, and myself, Ed Bennington. Don't forget to subscribe and uh, using the links on the homepage, share and like on social and send us your questions. So, we're looking at uh, reopening in this episode, uh, which is uh, just a, a week or so away now by the time this comes out. Um, let's have a look at, at customer management. We've touched on this a little bit, but you know, let, let's have a look at how you guys are, are approaching the. Uh, uh, the situation and, and how you're going to be handling that customer experience. So, I mean, let's let's look at bookings. That's 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 the tough one, isn't it? The tough nut to crack because you've got restricted space initially. You're outdoors. If you're lucky enough to have outdoor space, how are you going to handle that? Um, Heath, what are you doing apart from drinking wine? Um, <laughs> I'm drinking sherry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Of course you are. What? Gone from Stella to Sherry. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, front garden, we're, we're taking reservations on the front garden. Um, back garden, the front garden's got a marquee top at the red line. Back garden doesn't. So we're need taking bookings to the back garden two days in advance. Front garden, we're booking now from the 12th of April to the 16th of May. Um, and obviously trying to maximise that as possible. But at the same time, we realise people haven't been at the pub for the last year. So we don't want to be like, you've got an hour and a half, then piss off. So people, uh, table of two has an a two-hour time limit. Minutes. Table of, what's that? So you got an hour and 45 minutes instead, is that what you do? Uh, you've got, we've got two hours. Um, you've got a table of four has got two and a half hours, and a table of six has um, three hours. So okay. you've got nice long time at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the back garden, we'll just we'll take bookings two days before, but trying to give people a decent amount of time so we're not, not feeling like it's a cattle herd and we're just trying to get them in and out. We want to give them a good experience. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're doing there. And the Lockhart, James, we're working on a smaller time frame, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We're, we're trying to, we've only got um, five tables um, undercover, so it's difficult because you really want to maximise them, right? I mean, I don't want to blame us for that, but yeah. equally, when you've got fours and sixes, you've got people trying to get in on twos, mm. which, again, I can kind of sympathise yeah. with, you know? I, not, I don't think we can win here, I think is one point, is that we'll be seen as greedy if we exclude twos, but, it, you know, or we'll, you know, we'll just see us as not being welcome, and it's just a really difficult balance. What you don't want is that we've had loads of people booking four, and then the comments put in, oh, we're only two. Because you have to really manage that, you know what yeah. I mean? Because it affects the staff you have on that day as well. You know, we're running it tight, and um, it's going to be a time for recovery and um, and that. So we've got to be careful. But equally, yeah, well, I, uh, it's going to be yeah. Of course, he's going. Go on, Heath. You know, I was going to say at the, at the red line, we uh, it was a bit cheeky with the way I ran the booking system. So put it all online, but I made the tables only be for table six, table of four for a four. So there's no. If you wanted to, they have to ring up and ask. But yeah. in general, I want full capacity on every table. I, I, I just don't have time. I mean, I, and um, it's dining only at the Red Line. We're not, we're not doing drinks. It, you've got to turn up and eat. Um, right. If we do have space in the afternoon, if there's some lulls, we'll fill it in. But we've got to make money. And if anybody anybody complains about that, like, it's off. Go, go down to the Witherspoons down the road. Do you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah. you know, I don't want to be greedy, but... Got to be greedy. Got to survive, and we've had a hammering the last year. So you know, do you, it's do time to time to make some money. Do you think, though? Um, I mean, is it going to be a huge problem with 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 tables of two? Because yes, I know there's, there's people who just want to pop out for a drink mm. with the missus mm. or whatever. But it's also going to be most people are going to be actually. I want to meet up with these people, and mm. so the groups are going to be bigger. Do you think it's going to be a huge problem of of, of couples wanting to come in? Um. On their own? No, I, think nah, I don't think so. I, I, I don't. I think we're just, like he says. We're down here. We're just managing it. For the people that come and support you all year, and they go out as twos, we'll, we'll sort them a two out. But what you can't have is two people coming in nursing a coffee for three hours. Yeah, yeah. You just, you just can't do nah. it. Um, and it's a bit, you know, when when golf reopens on Monday, haven't we booking golf? But then it will just subside and it will find its find its pattern. Yeah. Um, but there is clearly, as we said before, pent up demand. So, I mean, how do you deal with the perennial problem for the trade of, of no-shows other than Heath hunting them down with a flamethrower? No, no, I think that's the right that's way. right way, yeah. Uh, Heath, what are you going to do? Crossbow. How are you, how it's are a crossbow, Oh, sorry, it's a crossbow. Crossbow. Um, crossbow. No, um, so what we, you know, obviously, the online booking system obviously reconfirms, but we're going to call everybody the day before, reconfirm everybody. If they don't show up, we're going to ring them and tell them that don't ever book with us again 
because we don't have time for that. We did that last time. If you're going to yeah. mess us around, yeah. go somewhere else. I don't need your shit. You know what I mean? You're disrespectful. It's unfair. We're paying people's wages. We're trying to keep people employed, and you don't have the courtesy of showing up. And mm. I've heard stories where people have gone book like loads of places in one night. Yeah. They need to be shot because that's just not fair. That's greedy and it's disrespectful. So there's a zero tolerance policy. We, we saw it. that. We you, saw you, that you, last you time. Once, you we mm. saw that last time, didn't we? Of people yeah. booking five or six pubs and then going, which yep. one should we go to tonight? Mm. Um, yeah, that, that's mm. awful. Um, I mean, what about um, prepayment, deposits, charging to book? Is that anything that, that you'd do? Oh, man. Unless you're a fine dining restaurant, like, you know, like Clove Club or something like that, you can do that because it's a special night out. But going to the pub, like last year, Alexandra Palace, they had a big beer garden there. And last year, when the lockdown came, came out, they charged you five per person to reserve a table. Funny, this time coming out of lockdown, they're advertised they're not taking the fiver per person because they probably realised it's a ball ache managing the deposits, managing all that the time and effort it would have gone into managing that. And customers, like, it's not a really nice thing. It's not welcome, is it? Give us some money up front. We don't trust you. That's what it says. What we're saying is we trust you, but if you screw us over, you're not coming back again. Do you know what I mean? I think that's more fair. And, and the other thing that we, we, we talk about quite a bit um, generally within the trade is, is uh, having had to operate under the circumstances when we've been allowed to operate with the restrictions and with the, the challenges that that poses, managing those customers um, that, that don't behave, um, that don't stick to the restrictions. I mean, what are you guys going to do on that? Because, I mean, it's it, it, we, we don't go into this to, to be having fights with customers about mm. wearing masks or yeah, sitting down. But, or, but, but Ed, I think you've got... You remember that our first... You know, the first um, responsibility for a licensee is to look after those in their venue. Mm. So if someone's behaving in a way that could put others at risk... You don't need an excuse, frankly. You know what I mean? You, you just get rid of them. Yeah. If they don't listen to reason, you have to get them. They, they'll either be killing the mood of the place or making it unsafe. If it's any of those two, then yeah. they go. It's no different to, you know, someone standing at the table starting to sing songs. It's just it's not going to happen. Yeah, so yeah. I think that... You think we're equipped to deal with this because I, we've, I, we've always dealt with this. We've always... Exactly. I think, again, it gets massively under... This is what we do. Mm. Mm. And you do it with a smile and you do, do it with minimum disruption. So... But, um, yeah, it's quite but nice. But is, is it going to be hard? I, mean, I suppose I think with this is you're going to have to be doing more of it, maybe, because these restrictions are more draconian. People are less keen to comply. I think so. But actually, because there's more restrictions around, I think you get more sympathy. If you were just running it in a normal day, every, you know, the world hadn't changed, you might get more kickback. But I think you broadly, you demonstrate why you were doing it, either antisocial behaviour or, you know, putting... You know, flouting COVID rules, and I think you would get support from others around you, which is always important. You don't want the mood to change in your place. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is, we are being, we are used now in the last year to be told what to do. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think it's as foreign as it might have been before. But as he said, you can have zero tolerance with it. Um, you just, you just have to get it sorted. I mean, Heath, your customers are particularly difficult at the best of times, or that's certainly what you make out that they are. Maybe it's you, I don't know. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, are you anticipating this being harder? for you because of this situation? I, I think the problem I've got in Hotgate is the, the customer, my customers are so used to being first in queue for everything in their life that when some little shouty Kiwi says no, they don't take it very well. And where, where I'm at with that is I've got zero tolerance. You can piss off down the road and I won't take you booking. I just don't have time for pricks. Um, and I think they're going to learn the hard way. Do you know what I mean? 
You have a nice empty pub oh, on the road. That'll learn them. Your competitors are sat there going, fucking great. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, let's let's last thing within this before we move on. So, I mean, you've 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 talked about um, how you're going to have to sort of manage your offer with with the the restrictions that we're facing mm. in terms of you know supply and cash flow mm. and everything else. So you're not going to be sticking all your lines on and your menus are going to be maybe a little bit different and all the rest of it. How do you manage that customer expectation then? Is it just a case of tough shit? That this is the offer you're going to have to accept the no, baking on toast. Or? Their, their lives change completely. You know, everything that they were used to probably isn't back to the way it was. So I think it's with a you'll understand that things aren't normal. And that's really the tone. Mm. We're going to make this as fun as we can for you, but right now we're still finding our way back into this. Mm. So I think you just you bring them with you, put your arm around them. You understand? Well, you can't because you probably won't be able to get that close. <laughs> but um, you sort of just t- take them with you on the journey. Heath, what about you? What, how, I mean, you're used to serving oysters and caviar and uh, the finest wines. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, but I think my menu. I think up here we'll get. I'll be pretty ready to go. I've just done a fine wine list. Um, worked on that. I'm, I'm gearing up for people to spend money. Like I'm, I'm going hammer and tong. I won't probably have all the ales on because that's everybody been a big seller for us. But yeah, I want to. Yeah, but the, the list I'll do the wine the wine list and the menu will be. We'll be ready to go rock and roll. I'm like, you know, it's time now. It's in my eyes, it's time to make money because you don't know when we're going to be in lockdown again. I want to make as much cash as I can as fast as I can. So, so James and me can go on a nice holiday. I, I think I'll leave that one there. I could, I could dive into that a bit more, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll park that for now. Anyway, let's, let's move on. You're listening to the Lock In podcast, and we are focusing on the challenges that are facing all operators of getting reopened. Now, uh, April the 12th is our uh, first date, first milestone in the calendar for those that are lucky enough to have beer gardens or access to outside space. Um, then uh, they are going to be able to get going. Um, I mean, guys, you're, you're quite lucky. You've got some. Outside space is a little bit limited. L- lucky in that we've got two uh, four pubs closed. Well, I was going to say, it's, uh, it's not all of them. I mean, you, but to be fair, James, you could put some benches outside the anchor tap. Yeah, and get two people in it and staff it. Yeah, lovely. So, oh, it's, you know, it's a sore point. It's exactly. That's why I can't, we, can't, we can't do anything in the Wenlock. Haven't, do you haven't, know what I mean? Isn't there, isn't there some space next door to the Wenlock? Am I imagining What's a different that? pub? Isn't there some green space next door to the Wenlock that you could... Uh, yeah, 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 we're not allowed to use it. It's interesting. Asked. It, oh, you've asked and no, you've tried. Okay, because interesting, I was chatting to another operator yeah. the other day and he's managed to um, get a school to allow him to use the school car park. Jesus. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, I was like going, how? Um, I mean, what, that's a, a phenomenal uh, achievement, particularly from a school. But mm-hmm. yeah, apparently the, uh, the head teacher and the teachers obviously like drinking in the pub, so uh, happy to support it. But I suppose the papers haven't got hold of that one. Let's not uh, let's not let's not alert them to that by talking about it. Then um, I mean, that's a bit like was it um, Wadworth down in in the West Country had rifle ranges in a lot of their pubs. Really? Yeah, still now, still full right, on rifle ranges, full on like small bore, only like one seven sevens. Right, but I think it was during the Boer War where I think our the Boer War, the Boer War, the Boer War, right, yeah. and I think our marksman soldier had such a bad shot. The government decided to put 
rangers into pubs so that they could drink and improve their <laughs> improve their skills. I shit you not. And there's a bunch of different pubs down that way, and I'm sure Wobworth have got a few of them, that actually have rifle ranges in their pubs. But they're Ed, still used. They're still used today. It's I mean, funny sort of sitting there and seeing two or three air rifles leaning up against the wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, uh, uh, anyway, maybe, fact. There you yeah, go. There we go. Get that for free. An amazingly interesting fact from James. Uh. As we see them now okay, closed I, down. I, <laughs> now they've, they've recognised that's a problem. <laughs> um, getting back on topic. Um, so gardens, I mean, guys, you are, are you geared up? Are you ready? What have you done to... I mean, you've got marquees uh, over the, the red and, and the lockout, but you're also... Nicking some space from next door, is that right? Yeah, I've done a deal with a guy next door um, to take over. Um, when they, they have it as parking for three cars, but when they leave at the end of the night, we'll, we'll pop up. Licensing were great. Like, yeah, do it. Anything you'll do, survive. Um, and we'll use it the weekends and all that there. So it just gives another 20 covers. Right, OK. That's good. Worth having. And, I mean, let's, let's not touch on this. Now, let's touch on the sore topic of, of the anchor tank. Hmm. I mean, can you not have... Ed, we can't do this paper. again. This has got no. to be three or four times this podcast. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's in a it's in it's a pedestrianised area with honestly room for four people tops, and it counts seem to think that yeah that's viable. <laughs> we could do that, couldn't we? Uh, um, and so, what about the um, Wenlock? You know that green space next door. We're not allowed to use. You're it. not allowed to use that. Uh, but there's, there's <laughs> pavement. Is there, is there no? Uh, out- and the pavements. The pavements. Are, the pavements not deep enough for us to have. You need one meter from where the table's going to be and there's not one metre from where the table's going to be. Unless so you've got a garden. You're, you're pissing in the wind. A, a garden or a, or a nice neighbour that's going to let Or a school. Or a school, as this, uh, as this would be. But, um, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, what about the red? You, you've you got that area where you put that chalet and, and the phone that got us all shut down uh, in. Yep. Um, are you going to use that? Yes. Yeah? So what are you going to do? Put tables there? No, that's going to... No, we're not, because no one wants to sit next to the bins, Ed. So what we're going to do is, because our bins are out in their driveway. You say that. You say that. People might be so desperate to get out, particularly your customers. I'm I'm working. The the shit, the shit's going to be the takeaway booze and food collection area. We're also going to check customers in there. We're going to be doing margaritas. We've got an espresso martini machine coming. We're going to, the shit's going to be busy. They'll probably do nice numbers. And then we've got the two gardens. What else do you need, man? So, I mean, what are you going to be doing then to uh, to make your customers comfortable in these outside spaces? What sort of have you, have you done anything different? We've got a heater, patio heater. We've got some big army blankets. So when the evenings draw in, or no, in this country, you know, as soon as we open, um, there'll be some blankets there for guys. Hot water bottles, Heath, another one? Yeah, hot water bottles. Um, we've got cushions for the benches. Um, yeah, just, you know, I mean, I, to be honest, I think people will sit out in freezing cold rain if they can drink in a pub again. So, you know, I think... We'll I mean, they can't, they can't drink possible. in your pub, though, Heath, because it's food only, so... Uh... Well, Edward... <sighs> I need to make money. We need to make money uh, for the business. So here's, and... an, here's an idea, Heath. It's cold. Yeah. You're going to have customers yeah. sitting outside. You've got a cellar full of mulled wine. Oh, there we go. I'll, I'll send you my invoice. You know? Free business advice. Sir. Um, so there we go. That's why he gets the big bucks. That's it. That's for me. I'll give you ten grand for that idea. Ten grand, bargain. Brilliant. Thanks, thanks. Thanks. Do with it. Um, so let's. Uh, uh, what about gas heating? I mean, it's not the most I environmental. Think, I think, honestly, for... we don't need to worry about it. We don't need to worry about the planet anymore. We're all going to die anyway soon, so let's just burn as much propane as possible. 
Now that, that's that, that's what customers want. I never, I don't want to burn propane. James doesn't want to burn propane, but our customers want us to burn propane because they want to be warm outside. These are the same people that would tell you a month or last year about straws. You've got plastic straws. You're evil. Now they're going burn propane. So you've got to give people what they want. Burn in the atmosphere. Let's catch. Uh, let's as just long get as, global warming sped up. Hey, as long as you're not serving straws with it, that's uh, that's the important thing. Yeah, exactly. Are you? I mean, have you explored any eco-friendly alternatives to uh, burning propane? No, no. Blankets, hot water bottles. You know, I spoke to Peloton Bikes. They've got this idea that they give all our customers Peloton bikes when they're sitting outside, and they cycle while they drink, and they'll stay warm. They'll burn the calories, and it's good for them. Okay, but they don't like the idea. No, no, I can't imagine why they wouldn't want to associate with you. Um, moving on, uh, neighbours. Let, let's talk about uh, the neighbours. Uh, oh, he has finished that sherry. That's quite worrying. Um, we've had a year of people not being in the pub almost, and we haven't had that noise and all the rest of it. You're now going to be trading with people outside. I mean, are you worried? Are you going to that those that have had nice, peaceful sort of uh, time are, are going to start complaining that there's noise coming from your pubs? Yep. Yeah. 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 No, no, I'm just not worried about it. (laughs) (laughs) Screw them. Well, they will, but. Fuck the neighbours. Yeah, exactly. Okay. No, we're on a high street location, so it's a little bit different with a quietest venue around down here, particularly, but it'll be a difference. Yeah, of course it will. It's a bit like. Sounds terrible. I saw a plane in the air yesterday. I was like. Wow. I felt like I was about five years old, going up to Gatwick and watching on the top level of the multi-storey car park. But it, it, everything's changed. I think oh, it's no, wait, 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 wait. Go back, go back. No. Your parents used to take you to Gatwick no, in Arca. No, they didn't. <laughs> I used to thank them. Look, times were simpler back then. Yeah. Times were simpler back then, and James was easily entertained. Yeah. Still is really, isn't it? So, um, I mean, what about you, Heath? What, what are you? How are you going to manage that that neighbourly relations? Because I mean, you've got some fairly rich neighbours that are probably going to be quite difficult, aren't they? Yeah, I'd particularly say when so. you I don't think, let them um, drink in your pub. Yeah, David next door to me is ninety-five, has the most amazing hearing because he complains about everything. I think it's spectacular. <laughs> he complains about stuff I can't even hear. Um, I don't know, man. It, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like we do our best. We close at eleven o'clock. So, I mean, Heath, you're you're. Uh, You've got people that complain. What do you do then? How do you uh, how how are you going to maintain those good relations? Or do you not care anymore, like James? I do, yeah, but I've always looked after my neighbours up here. So you know, what I mean, I think I think that it's going to take a bit of getting used to. And once we're open, you know what I mean. What well, it is, what it is. I think most of them appreciate how hard the last year's been for us. Um, all right, I think well, you know, I think they'll be all right. But I just think they're not going to be used to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's going to be a. I think it's, most operators should should be thinking about this, shouldn't they? That the 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 noise levels are going to be a bit of a shock to the system for 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 neighbours. It's it's mm. going to be something you need mm. to be aware of. Mm. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, okay, but what can you do? Apologise for being busy. Yeah. Well, yeah, perennial problem. Perennial problem. Okay, well, let's park that there. You're listening to the Lock In podcast, and we are now going to be looking at the uh, skills that are required for communications and marketing. It's going to be key when we get to reopening. And who better to talk to than Virtual Chief Marketing Officer Mark McCulloch of Supersonic Marketing? Hi, Mark. Hello. 
Hello, sir. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at everything around reopening um, in this episode and, and the challenges that are facing operators. I mean, what, what, um, what, what is your sort of thoughts on, on how operators should be thinking about managing in the run-up to reopening? So we've got a couple of weeks, uh, a week or so, before we get to reopening by the time this, go, this broadcast goes out. What would you be saying to, to operators? What should they be thinking about? Yeah, well, I think there's a, a stage before now that operators should have been doing, but unfortunately we don't have a time machine. Well, bollocks, we're too late for that, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, there, there's the whole, um, you know, staying in contact with customers all the way through mm. and, you know, still being engaging, still being in their face. And, you know, Heath did such a great job... Um, you know, no. with, the, with the pub and the, the singing and the dancing that, <laughs> and his wee dance. girl and, and all that. You Don't know, tell and, that. Uh, and that was just wonderful. And it, it's that kind of stuff that will live long in, in people's memory. And you didn't have to sell them something. You didn't have to, you know, sort of break your neck to get a service out to them. I think it was just people appreciated, certainly in the depths of lockdown, just actually being engaged and being entertained. And you know, having a reason to, to like and, and love your brand, I think if you fell silent, and I think if you didn't offer anything, you know, you've just basically went mothballed and quiet for a year. Um, that's a worry because you're going to have to do something that's you know quite a long run up um, to to get going again, unless you're in the lucky position that you got this amazing everyone's raving. But most of those. Top of my mind, they do something. You know, um, they were out there. They were in people's faces, and I think there's things like uh, the big corporate, you know, sort of breweries and, and chains and things like that. They didn't seem to do a hell of a lot, mm-hmm. and you know, I think some of it was almost sort of bordering on arrogance, where they they just kind of shut down and they didn't keep up that contact with their customers. And you know, it's a bit like all open again, and and, and we will come. And I think when all of as I've been in the press and all of you have been in the press more, more correctly um, you know customers are going to care about the brands that actually did something for them all the way through rather than you know just moaning about how unfair everything is when they've sort of went to ground so the, the, there's a, that whole kind of backstory. Um, in terms of the launch and all the rest of it I mean marketing's really simple right there's only three bits to it you know there's owned paid and earned and that's it so that's your choices so basically it's about you and your team saying right what are all of our owned channels so getting them all listed out and saying right everything from website to social media to email signatures to email databases to anything that you can get your hands on what are your owned channels who are they talking to and what message do you want to get to them and I'm a real big fan of this kind of nudge marketing where, you know, you create that groundswell sort of four to eight times you want to hit someone up with a different creative, a different way of saying something. I suppose it's like trying to go out with the guy or the girl of your dreams, you know, asking in eight different ways if they'll go out with you. And there might still be no the answer. Um, but, you know, at least you've asked it in an interesting way. So think about doing that, you know, how many times you know, 4 to 8 seems to work really well from research um, those 8 nudges to ask someone to do something and between that 4th and 8th time they will um, and also one of the big things is 
just always thinking about acquisition and retention. So at the moment, I'd really be focusing on the retention side of things. What can you do, you know, as one metric? I mean, if this is all we did, how could you get back to 2019 levels of trading? That, that's your objective. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really crystal clear. You know, just to say, unless you had a really bad 2019, I don't know. But if you had a good 2019, you know, know, I would just try and make it simple for the marketers as well. Because chances are you've lost people in your team. Chances are, you know, you're you're a shrunken uh, sort of department than than you used to be. Chances are as well that... Um, you know, with, with the furlough and, and all the rest of it, people are going to leave. You know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of clients at the moment saying they've supported teams all the way through, and the teams of now as they're going back to open, they are they are leaving. So you know, accounting for things like that, and then I think it also is the opportunity right now to reformat your your marketing department if you've lucky enough to have one, and actually focus on what they are doing. And what I've been advising people is sort of saying, right, really think about data. You know, get someone in your team that's amazing at data and get someone in your team that's amazing at creative. And those two things together is, is going to be, you know, the way to go. And really think about marketing it being performance marketing. So when you do something, making sure you understand that you measure it well and you start to understand channel attribution. And there's so many cheap tools out there you know, to, to help you to do that. Um, and then just back to the three parts of marketing, there's the paid channels, so you might want to pay for mm. some PPC, some digital advertising, some social media ads, you know, whatever it's going to be. I'd probably say against any outdoor stuff if you've got budget for that or anything, because there's no one about at the moment. Mm. Um, and then there's your, your earned channels, so your PR, and then listen online to what people are saying about you. But really, it's just framing it in that way. The objective is going to be, how can you get back up to those sales for 2019 and then just looking at how you can squeeze the most out of your owned, paid and earned channels. Um, and I don't think that your messaging needs to be anything really stunning or incredible or the big, biggest or most you know, creative campaign in the world. It's just basically saying, we're open, we're safe, what we have is craveable um, and it's available still so you can come to us or we can get it to you through all these different ways. Um, and and I don't think that will go away. You know, I think a lot of brands will just pull out of at home or delivery or takeaway. You know, I think a lot of, they'll just concentrate on what they're doing. But I think the smart ones will be a little bit like Top Gun. You know, when they slam the brakes on and the other ones fly by or whatever. You know, I think the ones the, the great brands are the, the ones that are going to fly by. You know, and you know, you just saw Hawksmoor, for example. Um, you know, hiring Joe Fleet to run their at home business um, and all these types. Maneuvers. I think a new marketplace has been, has been created, and if you think that you can, um, you know, run a, a, a pub business, hospitality business, just for the four walls and go back to that, I think it's pretty short-sighted. Um, so I think it's really thinking about the distribution mm. of your brand longer term. I think's where you then that's when the data comes back into play. You know, because once you can see. Because it just becomes almost like passive income. You know, if you're offering as on a third-party site, you'll know, you'll build a business model to say, I put so much money into this, I'll get so much money out. And that's the kind of utopia you get to. But there's, there's massive movement in the market as well at the moment. It's really uh, troubling for uh, operators because 
marketers are costing more. Like I've been doing a lot of interviews for my clients at the moment to hire people in. Yeah. And China, when you were looking at people for 35 grand, you're either getting absolute rubbish coming through the door at that, or the one you thought you were getting for 35 wants 55. So it's getting expensive. And then the other trend that's happening at the moment is marketers sort of know that they can't do everything now. Like all of the areas of marketing are so deep now. It's not like you could get someone with symbols at their knees and you know the drum in the mouth and they go everything. It's getting like it's so deep now with you know the data side of things, the website side of things, it's the more special marketing, the social media. You know, you're, you're, you know, even if you've got, you know, one or two or three venues, you might need a team of two or three in marketing now mm. to actually look after that. It's, it's getting quite scary. I am Mark, can, I just, can I just ask James, James and Heath, how many people have you got marketing your four sites? Uh, well, we marketing every day. Uh, <laughs> no, we just, how, how big a team is it? So. No, what? Well, no, I think, <laughs> I think the thing what we we um, it's. it's we, um, we, we, the way we've done it is that we're both fairly media savvy, so we just get on with it, and we can do it. We can do it with a confidence because, as owners, you you don't have to get anything checked. You understand the personality, and you can actually get some quite infectious copy and engagement that way because you're not having to put it through three departments to make it vanilla. So I think what we do is try, and as Mark said, we try to give a bit of a window on the business through lockdown. And uh, been very honest about what we've been doing and sharing some of the community projects we've done. So, no, but we—I would say we're, we're a fairly marketing-focused business. So, mm-hmm. that's in our DNA every day. But there, there'll be a time. He hasn't got a clue. What I'm are you talking about? Getting drunk every day, man. I don't know about you. <laughs> you get your best ideas. But it's just I, me and Marcus hanging out, getting drunk. <laughs> I knew I was missing something, uh, but I do think that in the. We're always thinking about ideas from like six in the morning until you know midnight. There's always conversations going on about different stuff. So um, I think where you get to the point is where you need, and we use we use agencies, you know, creative agencies to make things happen. You need that. But as Mark said, I can see that now that you know, whereas you'd have someone that sort of did marketing that would do a bit of PR and a bit of creative, and now you've got people that do SEO and your website, and it's all of a sudden it's it's kind of scary. It's um, more complicated, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think so. But also, I think that. It was a simpler times where you were dealing with, you know, paper-based print. You know, it's print all the time, wasn't it? It was easy enough to manage. Now it's much more complicated, and it's moving every day. Mark, I was going to ask, um, when you talk about having someone in your team that's good at, um, I think you said creative and, and statistics, could, uh, could you give an example of, like, a pub that has a Twitter stream, for example, or a Twitter feed, how that might work, what you'd be looking to do, what you'd be looking to moni- to, man- to monitor and adapt do you know what I mean just a real practical guide to that yeah so I guess um, what you'd be looking to do is look at the follower base like if it is Twitter mm. um, you look at the follower base and how that's growing so you'd, you'd have someone sort of measuring that and you can make that automated and things like that then you'd be looking at the amount of reach that you're getting when you put out certain things you know have you had something that goes on fire you know so for example if you put out something that's maybe a little bit tongue-in-cheek and fun so it goes a bit further and it's viral not just salesy but it's got a kind of product message in there about your new brain lines that you've got or whatever Um, and then if you can tally that to a growth in sales of your wines 
then you know that then starts to inform you to say, well, do you know what? I'm wasting my time over on LinkedIn doing posters, doing flyers, whatever it is you're doing, and actually we should double down on on Twitter, um, and we should actually do more there and try and grow our audience there more. Um, also, you'd be looking at click-through rates online, for example, you know, if you're tracking the full thing through into bookings and all the rest of it. So what you'd want to get is this kind of ultimate brand and marketing scorecard that basically tells you the, you know, the full sort of brand metrics that you're looking at. So are people, are customers happy? Are they going to come back? Um, you know, the, the sort of brand love that you've got and there's, there's ways to um, measure that. And then there's, you know, your NPS and all that sort of jazz kind of baked into that. But how happy is everyone, you know, in terms of customers and your brand? You know, that's quite a good way to start. Mm. Then you're getting into what's the buyer journey. So what is the awareness of us, you know, in the market? Uh, and what and starting to understand what market share you have. Because if you start to figure out that you are at the top of market share and you're spending the least or whatever, then actually could you get steel market share by spending a bit more from the other competitors mm. that are in the area? So it, gets, it just starts to get a little bit more insightful. And then if you understand mixing it in with the products that you're selling, so if you then say, well, actually, I want to have more people coming back that are regulars, and, when they, and I want them coming back more often, and I want them to spend more every time they come back, then... Data, data has to help you on that. Like you, you, you can't really guess that as such. So that's a good metric to grow your business. And then if you make the decision because you can't hire all these legions of marketers, and you say, do you know what, all we're going to do is concentrate on retention, and then when people come in, sell them better stuff and get the basket spend up, then that's a good strategy. Mm-hmm. And then once you're making the money, then you maybe say, what. Well, Actually, now we could go on an acquisition drive. I mean, get more people in the in the top of the whole. Oh, we're we're kind of losing you a little bit, Mark. It's breaking up a little bit. But um, I mean, there's there's a this is a huge topic that we could probably spend an entire podcast talking about. Maybe we probably should do down the line. Um, I mean, just just as a simple kind of thing. Uh, just just to, to wrap things up, in terms of communication channels for operators within the social sphere, where should people be directing their energy? I mean, you said, you know, think about sort of, you mentioned LinkedIn, uh, is it Twitter, is it Facebook? What what do you advise uh, guys to, to focus on to get that the, the cut through and the best uh, bang for the buck? Well, I think as he's doing right now, uh, his phone maybe, <laughs> but it is... I'll just board him. That's right. all. You know, like everyone's face is stuck on the phone. So anything, any activity that you can have that's phone related, go there. So, for example, you know, it's the it's the big ones. You know, Facebook is still relevant, and people say it isn't, but it is. It's still the massive Goliath. It's nearly three billion month, uh, monthly active users. Um, so from that perspective, it's still the top. So, you know, that's something to, to, to you know, focus on. And the, um, the sophistication of the dashboard in the back is so far forward mm-hmm. that, you know, you could play there all along and, 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 and make your money. Um, 
Instagram can be a little bit harder to 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 get, you know, attraction on. Um, but you'll still do a good job. But you're really focusing on beauty there, and uh, and also another tip is using everything that Instagram has to offer. So make sure you're using reels lots. Make sure you're using stories lots because it will reward you. The algorithm will reward you and push you further up the newsfeed because. The common misconception about social is that you post to organic and everyone gets to see it, which is not the case. You know, sometimes it's less than one percent of your following will actually see the post that you've put out. Right. Um, so actually, email is a far better channel because usually you get between seventy and twenty-two percent open rate there. So and then people dismiss email because they think it's old-fashioned or whatnot. So I would say it's really thinking about phone first, mobile first, second, third, fourth. Yeah. Um, and then saying, who's your audience and what channels do you think that they're on? So the best organic reach that you'll get right now is through LinkedIn mm-hmm. and through TikTok. Right. So basically, when you post on LinkedIn and when you post on TikTok, you will be seen by more people than if you post on Facebook and Instagram, just because the organic reach is, is bigger. Whereas Facebook and Instagram are playing you where they want you to pay to be seen. Yeah. So they throttle you. Yeah. Uh, but who, who's, who's looking at LinkedIn then? I always thought LinkedIn was a business. I don't, you know, we have a LinkedIn account, but I just avoid it because I just thought it was somebody trying to sell me stuff. Yeah, well, LinkedIn's sort of cheap. I mean, I would think about it as Facebook with a suit on. Mm. Really? You know, <laughs> is, is and, and it, does that make it the space for pubs then? Huh? Does that What's make that? it a space for pubs then? Because it's a more of a corporate kind of uh, thing. Well, some pubs are more corporate, some pubs aren't. I mean, it just depends. So it's up to the, the publican to say who your audience is. If a percentage of your audience is business people, and, you know, a lot of people that come to your pubs, I'm sure, are professionals. Um, would, you, would, you, would you put, would you have a LinkedIn account for? Or your pub, then not necessarily you. I would be tempted to do both because actually, it's personal brands and personal accounts that are better on LinkedIn. Okay. So you would get so much love and traction by just being you on there mm. and being. From that point of view, it, it really is a personal game. Company pages just really haven't taken off the way personal pages have but ha- have it and yeah. you know and, and, and do that but I think it's more about following you and actually following your business story and as James alluded to earlier on you know seeing James's wee legs at the bottom of his shorts you know <laughs> varnishing things I've got it but that's real business right and you, if you're telling your stories about how you're, you know, all the way through the pandemic, you being on LinkedIn saying, like Tim did it yummy, you know, love it or hate what he did, I, I loved it, you know, maybe it was a bit too much for some people, I don't know, but, you know, he was telling his story and he got traction and he got things out of it, you know, and then he's posting, he got record sales, he launches a new business and it's because he pulled all the levers, mm-hmm. you know, um, so so I think it's it, it it's a personal thing, you know, if you can be bothered, do it. If you can't be bothered, don't do it. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just one of these things. But I think, you know, you guys are um, pretty savvy, as, as James is saying, on, on the, you know, more savvy than most. So you, you've got a bit of advantage, but I think you would do it really well. And TikTok's another beast. Um, 
But the, you know the, the, the songs that you did with your man. Who, who was your ma- who's your guy? Marcus. He runs right, the. Uh, yeah. So you know, that that that's TikTok all day long. Yeah, yeah. I think that I did. I think I did TikTok. I did. I did one of them. I put it on. There's so many channels. I think I put it on TikTok. I think I did yeah. TikTok. Yeah, I, I think, put them all on there. I think, guys. We, unfortunately, yeah. we are we are pretty much well over time on this one, and I think we are need okay. to come. We need to come back. back to you, Mark, and we are going to do a let's do a whole thing on the marketing because I think yeah, there's a lot yeah. to dig into here, but. Thank you very much for that. I think the one thing that I have taken away from this, though, guys, is that Instagram is about beauty. So can I just recommend that maybe you two stay away from Instagram? Oh, my God. You put photos of your rabbit up, Ed. Uh, Rabbits. It's a beautiful rabbit. It's a beautiful rabbit, Heath. Anyway, on that note, let's uh, let's pause on that. Thank you very much, Mark. See you, guys. Cheers, Mark. Take it easy. Oh, he's great, isn't he? He knows his stuff. Didn't understand a word he said, to be honest. (laughs) This is from the, uh, the man who bit, is... I, James, I think he's a better-looking, slimmer version of you, to be honest. I'll tell you who looks like is... Um, who was the guy in um, Shaun of the Dead? The guy that... You Nick know, Frost. Nick Frost. But, but, like, a slimmer version of Nick Frost. Of course, he's a good-looking guy. I'm bring everybody up to your weight. <laughs> are, you, <laughs> are you being fattest? And I think I'm fattest, but you know what I mean. I think I, think yeah, I need yeah. to. I think I need to draw a line under this. This is uh, it's, anyway. It, it, it's bloody good, yeah. right? The bits uh, I understood. The bits you understood. I mean, the irony is, James, you are a man of Scottish heritage. Yeah, I was just um, playing. Yeah, excellent, brilliant. Let's part that there. listening to the Lock In podcast. For this session, we're being joined by Parliamentary Undersecretary of State for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, Paul Scully. Paul, thanks for joining us. Hi, pleasure to be with you. It's tough. I mean, I say we, it's, it's just Heath and I, because our, our usual regular co-host, James, has decided he's got a very pressing appointment at the golf course today, with the first day of the golf course's <laughs> opening. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, Paul, great to have you with us. We're going to be having a chat about the roadmap for reopening and the support for safe reopening of the sector. But first, there's a question that most people in the trade would be dying to ask you, and they will be shouting at me if I don't ask this. What does the government have against the pub sector? No, it's been really tough. It's been really tough. And that's funny enough, you talk about your colleagues who are playing golf, so much of the stuff that we've been looking at, whether it's golf, whether it's getting haircuts done, whether it's gyms, or all, all these kind of things, but getting at least giving hospitality a start in, uh, in outdoor opening. Mm-hmm. So much of it is about well-being as much as it is about the economy as well. But hospitality has been really hard-pressed. Hard I speak to pub owners uh, week in, week out, and uh, it's just been one of those, uh, uh, an issue that has been because of how people interact, how people contact um, each other. And we know that the settled policy over the last uh, few months has been schools were last to close, they're first to open. Now we've taken the stock back and seeing what we what we can do to uh, bring people back together again. But I know that pubs aren't going to be back to uh, being able to make a profit mm. rather than just making money until June and still step four. I think that's the that's the big sort of challenge, and I know there's a there's a court case ongoing as well. Oh. That, that, that the lack of parity with with non-essential retail and pubs. I mean, what, what is behind that? Because that is where this kind of feeling of victimisation is coming from, from the sector, that there seems to be a very much a, a different attitude to pub without a great deal of evidence as well. Well, I think the, th- the thing is with um, non-essential retail, I'm speaking, you know, this is the sense that I get from scientists. I can't give you chapter and verse from 
uh, from what they've been looking at in this is that the, when you are going into a shop, you go into shop, you you may pass people, um, but you won't be necessarily interacting with them the same way that you will be in a pub and a restaurant. In a pub and a restaurant, you, by very nature, I want to go into a pub because I want to have a pint with my friends and family. I want to go and have a food in a restaurant with, uh, with, with them as well. And so it's um, actually spending time sitting down in a single area, and the way that the, the only way the virus transmits is droplet through the uh, through the air, which hang in the air, um, and which is why outdoor is so important because, of course, you can get ventilation. Whereas in retail, you'd be tr- typically travelling through a shop, shopping, and then leaving again. That's not perfect, but none of this is perfect. So there are clearly the decisions that have got to be made within those sort of parameters. I mean, Heath, what's your thoughts? It, it, do- it doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense. It's because you, you, they, they always say we're following the science, but we're, plu- we're proven to be really safe venues. The way we run it, the way we sanitise, training, the way we create the, the customers being in there, whether it's outdoor, indoor, we have spacing. A lot of operators spend a lot of money with, you know, screens and all that. We're, we're, what is it, 3% transmission rate in hospitality setting? But I can go to Sainsbury's now and be, like, brushing up, stuck against people, in queues for ages, really busy supermarket, so it just, like if you say following the science, all these scientists have this, it just, it doesn't sound right. It's like, it's like they have an idea what hospitality is like. They don't go to pubs. They think about pubs 30 years ago, but they're not thinking about a modern setting. We're all out, whether it's outside or space tables, it's all, we're super safe. But it feels like we, we're treated like we're children a long time no, ago. No, I think, that's, I think that's the case for the majority of pubs. But I think when you're talking about the hospitality setting, and I know this is, uh, you know, aimed at, uh, this, this podcast aimed at pubs, but when we're looking at hospitality, Hospitality can be anything from a cafe in a park through to a, uh, a small basement bar or something like that, or a basement club. And so you're talking about trying to work on a huge um, variety of, of settings and coming up with uh, guide, guidance for, for that, that type of range of settings, which is uh, really difficult to do. And so, yeah, I, as I say, I speak to pub owners uh, week in, week out. I know the amount of expense they've done. Uh, they've had the amount of effort they've made in terms of making them COVID secure, and they've done an amazing job. Uh, none of this is perfect, as I say, but you know, typically, in a, as I say, in a shop, you'll have a mask on. When we did the workplace guidance a year ago for people that were um, working next to each other, for example, when we were first talking about mitigating some of these circumstances, you were normally looking at about 15 minute periods um, at a time, but uh, you'd be sit, um, standing or sitting next to someone before you'd have to worry about. Uh, the, a higher risk of COVID. Normally, you would be doing that in a shop. So, but as I say, this is this is not a perfect science. I mean, the other the other question that people are quite keen to understand as well is is the ban on takeaway of alcohol that was brought in uh, in the, in the most recent lockdown. It hadn't been in place previously. Um, I mean, what's the thinking behind that? Because now people are free to get out. They can go sit in the park with their friends within obviously the restrictions there buy supermarket alcohol or off-license alcohol, but they can't go and get a, you know, a pint from the pub. I mean, it, it, that's, that's been a real sort of bit of a kick in the teeth for a lot of operators who were using yeah. that as, a, as a, an extra bit of trade. Yeah, I think that there was, um, it seemed to be a mixed bag. The feedback I was getting it was a mixed bag for, for um, some pubs. As you say, it was, it was a chance for trade for some pubs and for others, it, it didn't become economically viable for them to open just for, 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 for takeaway, as it were. But that will depend on the kind of mm-hmm. kind of pub clearly the, the backing. 
But the, the thinking behind that was um, literally when we went into lockdown, we wanted to lock down. So it was just stopping people from traveling full stop. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we didn't want to go. It wasn't the uh, necessary, the actual act at the pub of grabbing a pint or take away pint or whatever. It's just if we could stop them from leaving from home without, without doing that. Because you get to a point with lockdown, and I remember thinking this a year ago, thinking we've probably got about 12 weeks of being able to work with people in terms of behaviour before people was to start going stir crazy. We're a year into this now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can totally understand. Um, you know, if you were talking about you know, whether scientists go to the pubs or not. You know, I do. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm used, well, you can't see it on the podcast, but if you see my hair, Desperate for a haircut as well. I'm <laughs> um, taking my loyalty to the Prime Minister. There's not, not a, with the there's not the chance but for heat so, so we all want to go back to some sense of normal life. And it was, and it's trying to get the balance right between allowing businesses a chance to have some trade, but to break the cycle of transmission, which is really, at that stage, was getting people to stay at home. Yeah, I, I guess... I, I, but I, do you see what... Do you see what go on, Heath. Yeah, but do you see what, like, it just seems like it's target, like, everything seems to be like, every time we do something to adapt or pivot, it seems the government comes in and does something else to stop us having a chance to make money. Do you know what I mean? I know they say you don't want people out travelling. Do what South Africa did then. Give us a fair playing field. Ban alcohol across the country. If that's what the issue is, ban alcohol. South Africa did it. But we just feel like we've been persecuted. It, it just feels like, I, I think, honestly, the government has a real problem with pub culture. And I don't understand why, when one every three pounds goes back to the Treasury. But we're, honestly, we're just getting kicked in the teeth every day by the government. And I think I it's really, pubs, really unfair. Well, no, you know, I'm the sort of de facto, I guess, hospitality minister. And I can tell you that, um, that I'm very much not anti-pub culture. I think the, uh, yeah, there is, a, there is an issue with, um, not so much in the pubs. We were talking earlier about what you, what you guys have done in, in the pubs to make yourself COVID secure. You cannot get away with the fact that alcohol, uh, from the fact that alcohol changes people's behaviour. That's the reason you can't do a whole load of things having drunk. You can't look after children. You can't operate over machinery. You can't drive because it affects the way you behave. So, um, and so that, you know, I know you, you guys can regulate what's happening with the premises. It's what happens afterwards. And that's why I'm glad that we got rid of the 10 p.m. curfew, glad we got rid of the substantial meal requirements. I was in London myself on a few occasions when I, at 10 o'clock I was, in a, I was in a restaurant or a pub and uh, had to leave. And then um, the tube ridership went up 40% uh, between 10 p.m. and 10.15. So mm. we were actually bringing people closer together rather than separating them, as I've just been talking about. So that's why learn the lesson and move on. But whilst we haven't been able to have uh, pubs, pubs open, it's really important that we put the support in place. That's why the Restart Grants have, have come in to, to, to help go that we try to avoid the cliff edge by the business rates and uh, the extended business rates and the like. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but sh- like seriously, show us the money because you know how hard it is getting these grants out of the council? Hackney Council, I want to cry getting the money from them for one of my pubs. I really want to cry. It's so slow. It's like, it, it, I don't understand why it's so difficult to give us the money. And then you look at the grants, and we're supposed to be grateful, but then we look at Europe and what Germany got, what Austria done, what America's done, how much they took. They're slow off the mark, but they get up to $5 million per, per hospitality setting. It's just like we're so far behind. We're so battered and bruised. We're going to come into June. You said we're going to start making profit. We're all going to be debt-laden. 
We're going to be so broke, and then we've got a few months of, what, 5% VAT on food? What if you're a drinks-led venue? We really we don't have enough time to repair our businesses, and then we're expected to be making money and back to normal trading levels. It's not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. We're going to lose so many more this year. Well, what we try to do, we try, what we try to do, we try to protect jobs, we try to protect livelihoods. There's no way, it, it never started as a full compensation scheme and it could never do that. There's £407 billion pounds have got, has gone out of the Treasury of taxpayers' money. Uh, that's three times the amount of the NHS budget just gone out on, on that business support. Now, clearly, as you say, especially wet-led pubs um, have been particularly hard-pressed within that and particularly... Uh, 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 you know, uh, su- suffered throughout all that process, and that's why we've got to get pubs back open again to give them a chance of making money, and I mean proper proper money, not just sort of having some money uh, coming into the tills, but making profit again. But that that the, you talked about Hackney and, uh, and and other boroughs, the because of the way that the um, we had this stop start at the at Christmas, that led not only did that lead to um, some waste of food and and, and drinking pubs. But it also led to a complication in the grant scheme, which is why we've now simplified it. We've got the restart grants, which is a flat fee going out. Of, uh, so it should be far. It's like the original grants that went out of um, local authorities, so easier to administer. And the, uh, the additional restrictions grant that's still there, what we've said, the government will top the local authorities up, but they have to have spent their money, um, their existing pot, to be able to hand out more. We won't give them money. Otherwise, so we, we accelerate, we're pushing those councils to get the money out the door. And I'm ringing um, a lot of them myself to actually say, like, what are the barriers? Why are you not getting this money out to the uh, to pubs and other businesses that need it now? I, I used to run businesses. I know what it's like to have uh, you know, cash flow issues. I run small businesses. I've lost two businesses in two previous recessions as well. Okay. I've been responsible for other people's livelihoods. So I can only feel your pain, frankly. I mean, I'm conscious that we're we're almost out of time, Paul, and, and appreciate you being quite frank with us. I mean, what what would be your your key message to uh, to the trade at the moment, just to wrap things up? I know how difficult it is for you. I am totally in awe about the amount of resilience that you've had to date, notwithstanding the frustration that you 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 rightly show. Uh, I know how important the hospitality sector is, not just for the people working within it, the young people working within it, um, and, but the people that rely on it and enjoy uh, the sector. We are social beings. We want to pe- bring people back together again. But beyond the reopening, beyond the recovery, I want to make sure that the hospitality sector is resilient in the future as well to make sure that people coming into the industry can see there's a career path for them. That's why I'm working really hard to build a hospitality recovery strategy based on those three R's, reopening, recovery and resilience. Fantastic. Brilliant. Okay, Paul, thank you very much for that. All right. Cheers. I wanted to get a bit in. I said, I wish the rest of the government had your affection towards hospitality because they don't. It's just, he's a politician, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he he certainly has has more of an interest, seems to come across that he's got more of an interest in in the sector than than others. But I get it, like we said, it... It doesn't matter what you say about the complications and all the rest of it. I think the the, the problem we've got is that um, all of these restrictions, we didn't even get onto the track and trace and the ridiculousness of that, is all oh, aimed at, at the pub sector in a way that it isn't aimed at other sectors. So, and I get, and I, I get the the argument about you know people drinking and inebriation, and it leads to more sort of breakdowns of behaviours. But we put all these 
restrictions in place to stop that. So, you know, time restrictions, you know, you have to be seated, you have to, so it's, it's almost kind of like you're using, you're throwing fight arguments back at us that, that don't actually appear to be, it's just, we've done everything they asked. We've done everything they asked and they still shut us down. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, I don't know, man. I I don't trust them. You know, we don't, let's just hope we can open on the 12th. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Okay, well, let's part that there for, for this session and uh, move on. You're listening to the Lock In podcast, and we are almost at the end of this week's episode. Uh, we've uh, been talking about reopening throughout this. We, we've heard some interesting things uh, from uh, Mark's uh, comments on marketing there, which is fascinating. Um, through to uh, James and Heath's less interesting comments throughout the rest of it. But um, rifle ranges uh, were good, though. A rifle, I mean, to be honest, James, you are a font of completely fucking useless information. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What yeah. was the fact you came up with once that we, we just killed it? I was, literally, I meant killed it. It, it, it destroyed it. I did one about Volvo cars, that no one had ever been killed in a Volvo car. Do you remember, Heath? Oh, yeah, thanks for that, mate. Thanks for that. So <laughs> I go and tell Clive Owen, I say... <laughs> He goes, I'm buying Sarah Jane a new Volvo car. I go, do you, you know, because I don't have a Volvo car. And he goes, ah, oh, cool bullshit. I went, no, trust me. My mate told me. Clive Googles and goes, well, that's not true, is it? Thanks, James. So, Made me look like a right fucking twat. So you, you, I think you, you, did you that. ran off to your celebrity mate and tried to show off using someone else's duff information. And looked like a tit, basically. That's uh, that's pretty much summarised because the internet did glitch a bit there. But uh, so yeah, I mean, let's, uh, James is uh, fairly useful um, for for nothing. Um, I mean, let's uh, so reopening. I mean, what are you what are you most looking forward to getting open? Pa- well, past that instant, no aggro. Three markers, you know, twelfth, seventeenth, and twenty first are all hit, and obviously, the, you know, the the uh, that we keep this pace on the vaccine. And we can start talking about normal times and building business rather than being in the uh, intensive care room, you know? Mm. What about you, Heath? What are you looking forward to? Obviously, your customers. Going to, going to another pub where no one knows me, drinking a pint of Guinness, and just just being in a pub where... It's, it, I, don't, I, I want to stick to the carpet when I walk in. I want something so dirty and so moody that I can just go to the, the table and just sit there and no one talks to me but if someone does talk to me they yell at me because I've got no teeth and they're angry and they're pissed off about something are you going back to New Zealand and... yeah I know I was actually going to come and visit you Ed but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean let, 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 let me just recap on your earlier comments about your staff coming back and wanting time off so basically what you're saying is you want to basically have a day off yep. the moment you in come back so you can go and drink in a pub okay. in, in a I'll give it a few days, but I want to go. I want to go to a pub that's not mine, that no one knows my name, that no one cares. Is that possible? And I want to sit there and I want to drink maybe maybe seven pints of Guinness and maybe a whiskey chaser at the end and just sit there and enjoy life in an English pub without Boris, without restrictions, without. I just want to be normal again. Not normal. I just want to be. I just want to be in a pub with no shit. That's what I want to be. I, on that note on that note I think maybe let's draw this one to a close so excellent thank you very much uh, thank you all for listening uh, we will be back 
next week with the latest episode of the Lock-In Podcast. But for now, that is it for this week. Please do subscribe, uh, share on social media, send us your comments, drop us a line, let us know what you want us to talk about, and we will do so. So that is it for this week. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Thanks, bye. Bye.